I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology. And on today's episode of the podcast, I'm talking to luxury hospitality designer Jean-Michel Gathy of Deniston. I just wanted to start out by asking, what's been on your mind lately? You know, we've all been on a bit of a roller coaster this last year. It's quite unprecedented circumstances and um, wondering if you're thinking about anything that you wouldn't normally be thinking about. What's on my mind? Um, Actually, my biggest worry now, I got too much work. It's amazing. Actually, there is an amazing, uh, not too much work, but I mean, I've I've seldom had so much work and so much intensity in the work because uh, some people have crashed out of the market. Some hotels have stopped, some projects have stopped, etc. But other, on the other hand, say, well, this is the right moment to develop hotels, to, to design them and to get them ready. And when the market will be back in two or three years, we'll be ready. And so this is exactly the... The, the situation we have now, a lot of people consider this as an opportunity. It's a little mm. bit like buying stock mm-hmm. uh, when the market crashed. People say, are you crazy? The market is crashing. Yes, exactly the moment you buy because mm. that's when the shares are low. Well, it's exactly what's happening. And I have the feeling that we are more in demand than we have ever been just because of that. So what's in my mind now? I say, well, business-wise, this uh, pandemic is actually good for me. Hmm, that's interesting. Business-wise, that's it. Yeah, and, but, but yeah. what about personally? Yeah. Well, we don't have to delve into that, but it's good to hear, though, that some uh, ho- hospitality developers have confidence in the travel industry bouncing back. I think that's a good thing to hear. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It will, it will, of course, and this is a major, major crash, one of the biggest crash we have had in the last uh, few decades, obviously, mm. uh, but there's always a silver lining. And I have the feeling that people say, okay, it's going to come back. Now it's cheap. Now we can get contractors easily. They are out of work. So their the rates are going to be cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. So let's move it now. And it will be ready in two or three years. Mm. And that's what's happening. So mm. we have a lot of demands, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of demands. That's incredible. So you're, you're busy, but your team yeah. has been, I imagine, like most of us around the world, um, either entirely or partially working remotely. How has that transition been for you and the team to be not always working together? Has it been quite smooth? It has been smooth because in our business, uh, most of the exchanges are made by computers. Production of design, production of detailings, uh, reports, specifications, etc. Uh, you know, I'm made on a computer. So obviously, uh, the production has been easier. Mm. But what has been more difficult is the creations. That's my responsibility in the company. And I must say, I have personally suffered a little bit of the fact that I, I miss 
the contact with mm. clients. You know, um, when you explain a design, uh, it's not so easy. You you explain through gesture, through through body language, through emotions, etc. It is very difficult to translate through a telephone or a, or a Zoom conference. Mm. So the production has been smooth because we are well structured in terms of uh, technology uh, between our offices and uh, therefore production has not been a problem but the design process the basic what i call concept and, and preliminary design uh, which basically entails designing the looks searching etc it's a bit more complicated because we are more isolated normally when you develop the design you develop in a group you you sit next to each other and two or three people and we we brain brainstorm each other etc but in this case when you are home and the other person is home and the other person is home Obviously, the brainstorming sessions are a bit more sterile. Mm. So that has been the difficult part of the project. It's exactly same thing. Uh, the design process. I repeat the word design. Design for me means the research of aesthetics, the the planning, etc. What re, what re, basically require creativity. Okay, that, in my opinion, is a little bit challenged uh, in this in this. Uh, stay home situation production is not now the client's contact is the same uh, when you have to call a client to explain like for example we had a, the other day we had an explanation of a project uh, it was a project in korea well we have two and a half hours on the phone Mm. Uh, and the client is on the phone, uh, the owners, I mean, the owners are on the phone, the, the local architect is on the phone, everybody's on the phone and on a Zoom, and we see each other. But every time you have to explain something, it's it's a little bit more complicated because mm. can you please share the screen with me? Can you please share it back to me, etc. Et so all this process, a little bit more complicated. So the, in summary, the challenge has been uh, the explanation and the development of the creative part of the business, but it has been easier. In I mean, it has been easy uh, in terms of production. Mm. And I think you probably had, I would say, one of the most, if not the most grueling travel schedules that I've ever heard of, um, particularly <laughs> in our industry anyway, um, mm. a schedule that I think most people would look at and just be exhausted just, you know, glancing at it. But <laughs> I'm curious to know how you're feeling at the moment, you know, with replacing the travel with the Zoom calls. Is Has it been easier? Do you feel that it's less exhausting or do you feel like it's more uh, exhausting? I think it is more exhausting. Mm. <laughs> I know people, I can tell you what, I've been traveling for 40 years. It's not new. So for me, traveling is, it's, you know, you re- you refocus differently, your mind goes somewhere else, you are, it, it gives you a little bit of freedom. You have the feeling that you can breathe between a meeting and, and a presentation and a meeting in the office and go, going home, etc., etc. You have breathing space. Mm. Uh, in the last six months, I've had no breathing space, zero. And then the client feel that they can call you at midnight, okay? <laughs> oh, because it's on the phone anyway. Whereas nobody will fix a meeting in his office in New York at uh, midnight. They'll 
It's set up at 4 o'clock. So you go there at 4 o'clock, you have the meeting until 6.30, and then you go out for dinner with the clients, and you're, you're back uh, uh, in your own territory by yourself at, at 10 o'clock. Or you choose to have dinner with your friends, or you meet somebody, etc. But But you're free to organize yourself. But when with these Zoom calls, it's just some time. I mean, the other last week, I had 8 hours and 40 minutes without stop. Mm. You know? exhausted. I came home. I, I got in my car, called my wife, say, I'm on the way back. I said, but please, I can't talk to you now. I, I am exhausted. I'll see you at home. And it was, and it was five different projects, but one took two hours, the other one, an hour and a half. And one is in Saudi. The other one is in America. The third one was in Japan, etc., etc. So it just, then stop and it's exhausting because you you're fighting with yourself trying to explain in front of a tv screen etc very mm. difficult mm. very difficult and no breathing time it's office home office home no breathing time so you can't you can't relax five minutes and when you are home i have an office at home so i design at home i receive calls at home so it it is yeah it put pressure Mm. I, I don't think you're alone in that situation, sadly. Um, no, of course. Yeah, it's. I think every day is just starting to feel the same. Um, we, we, yeah. we were talking about that in our team just today, actually. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it sounds like you've had no additional free time like some people have um, and you haven't been able to maybe indulge in any guilty pleasures. <laughs> is that fair to say or have you been able to carve out a little bit of time? No, you are. You're absolutely dreaming. <laughs> no time. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's quite amazing because when I go to my bedroom at night, I actually pass in front of my office. And I always have a drawing on the table. Always, always, always. So I say, oh, God, maybe I should look at that. I, I take five minutes. So I tell my wife, just hold five minutes. I just have to look for that five minutes. An hour and a half later, hello, you told me five minutes. Oh, God, sorry. Yeah, man. Oh, yes. Now, it is stressful. So, no, I didn't get, I didn't get to enjoy my, my so-called freedom. I was extremely busy. And then you, you can't plan freedom. Um, because you can't have meeting more than six people, so you can't go party, you can't, you can't have a dinner with 20 people, you can't organize, you can't, I mean, it's very difficult. So you, you meet your family, you meet your, your children, of course, etc. But it's not like you go on holiday for three weeks on the beach. I know we do that in Europe, mm. but that's why you have so many, so many uh, cases of uh, COVID-19. Mm. Whereas if you look in Asia, it's much less, much, much, much less because people are much more disciplined. Yeah. They respect, they know, they know that you should wear a, a mask and anybody who say, oh, it's my right not to wear is somebody who is suicidal. Yeah. Okay. You have to wear a mask. The people who say that, they just make me mad. And yeah. I, I just say, you, because you're selfish. If mm. you want to choose to die because you want to die, that's your right. But why somebody else? Okay. And how do you know if you have COVID-19 or not? Mm. Nobody knows. Mm. You, you might have it, but you don't know yet for another two or three weeks. You might have got it from a, from a public space. You might have got it in a lift. You might, you don't. No. And so I think by pure c civical uh, and, and social 
behavior, social, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, self-respect, you should not only respect yourself, but respect the guy in front of you. And even in my office, I wear a mask. Now, I'm talking to you now because of the microphone. I don't. Mm. But the rest of the day, I'm in my office, I wear a mask. I drive my car. Uh, just when I'm alone in the car, I don't. But if there's anybody else with me, I wear a mask. Mm. And is it disturbing? Absolutely. Mm. But if that's what we have to go through, we have to go through. Yeah. You know, there's, there are, my wife used to write words. She said, this is a case of force majeure. And I think she's absolutely right. This is force majeure. Mm. It's a war. Okay, we, we have to, to behave accordingly. Mm, I agree. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think obviously maybe our perspectives are different because we live in Asia and we see how things have been uh, responded to and dealt with here. And you're right, it's just, it's been so much yeah. more effective. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, um, incredible. And yeah. I, I mean, you, you have an incredible job working on the projects that you do, but there's a part of me that thinks at the moment that must be a little bit of torment looking at all of these amazing hotels that you can't actually visit at the moment. <laughs> where where are you thinking about or where are you daydreaming about going to when, when you're able to? Is there a, somewhere on the top of your bucket list? Or is it too hard to pinpoint one yes. place? Yes. Uh, I am absolutely frustrated not to be able to visit the hotels. We are just finalized. You know, we opened the Four Seasons Tokyo last week. Mm. And I was not able to be at the opening. Oh. We opened the Four Seasons of Bank Bangkok in a month mm-hmm. on the 1st of November. And I can't go to the opening. Uh, we're opening the one and only uh, in uh, Montenegro. By the end of the year, can't go to the opening. I mean, for me, this is very frustrating. Mm. And we had a, a very important moment in the one and only of uh, Dubai last week when we lifted the uh, the main uh, uh, suspended cross between two buildings, which was an amazing feast of engineering. And mm. I wanted to go, but couldn't go. Mm. So it's frustrating. It's not just for holiday that is frustrating, but for visiting the project we do mm. and it's you know when it's a little bit like a pregnant lady who doesn't know anything how the kids are coming up you know mm. she she goes to the doctor and she say is my baby breathing well or is he growing normally but imagine for nine months you, mm. you don't go to the doctor and you're pregnant do you imagine that for nine months you're going to stress I hope my baby is right. I hope he's breathing well. I hope he's feeding well. I hope he's growing big, etc., etc. And that's exactly the feeling I have. Now, I'm not pregnant, neither am I a lady, but I imagine the feeling. Mm, that's a good analogy. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a question about, uh, you know, what you might see happening in the future of hospitality design. I think there's been a lot of new kind of crossover or hybrid type spaces, hotels that have a retail component or hotels that are, you know, wellness destinations and there's co-working and hospitality together. I wanted to ask you whether you see more of this in the future, these kind of hybrid spaces, and if you have any thoughts on any new typologies that we haven't seen yet. Okay. Uh, I think the hotel industry, the hospitality industry, moves more and towards the lifestyle industry. Okay. And... What we consider lifestyle varies according to all of us, but lifestyle is 
is a mixture of obviously accommodations, food and beverage, retail, sports, activities, etc., etc. So, whatever can be put together in under the same roof can work. So you can have uh, today you have golf resorts, you have a, a surf resort, you have now progressively they started to to come up progressively what we call the art resorts you know you have uh, mm. uh, people who have art collection they start uh, displaying the arts uh, they start to uh, integrate art in the landscape uh, they try to, they have some uh, uh, classes about art they have uh, workshop in the hotels etc so i think that's one of that typology which might be coming up mm. um and I'm doing one of them, for example, in this uh, in the Saudi in Saudi Arabia. We're doing a project called Amala, and uh, Amala has two or three parts. Uh, the project that I'm doing uh, with our company is uh, is called the Island Amala Island. And on that Amala Island, actually, it's a like an open air museum. Uh, with an art link, everything is linked by uh, a, a sort of a journey through arts, linking real estate, museum, hotels, resorts, facilities, polo club, etc., etc. And the whole thing is is basically a build up around a skeleton, which is an art link. And I think that's one of the things, but the, the whole idea of His Royal Highness was not to have a resort, but to have a art sort of a, a an art museum, an open art museum in which you can live, you can enjoy, you'll have retails in it, you'll have facilities, you have sports, you have restaurants, you have three three star Michelin restaurants, etc. So it's a very very rich uh, amount. Uh, of um, assets, which makes it extremely interesting. And I think more and more, because I've been asked to do several projects in a similar nature, not, not as art-based as this one, but where they are, um, uh, should you, you say that integrated resource. Now, integrated resort have existed for 50 years. That's not new. Mm. Okay, but what has changed is that they are much more focused now on the various elements and assets integrated in these resorts. Before they were just hotel, uh, uh, landscape, uh, tennis courts, and, and a dive center, uh, and a golf course. Mm. Today, that is almost like a, it's a given. This is a given. You must have these tennis courts. You must have the golf course. You must. It's a given. Mm. Now it starts adding up to art, add up wellness, add all sort of others, marinas, yachting, etc., etc. So, this I think is the future of the hospitality. Just a hotel where you just sleep is becoming a little bit sterile now. You mm. need more because people expect more. And that notion of uh, I go to a place and I do nothing is not so common anymore. Not so common. Some remain. The top, 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 top luxury ones could remain some time. But yet, they'll offer you facilities of yachting. Or they'll offer you facilities of fantastic wellness, of fantastic spas, or whatever. But I believe that mixed 
uh, integrated uh, lifestyle assets will be the future of hotels. Mm, that's really interesting. I, I wanted to ask your thoughts as well on uh, renovating older properties instead of building newer ones. I think, you know, we've all, I think it's fair to say that we've all perhaps become a bit more conscious and aware of the environment during this time that, you know, even, you know, in Hong Kong where we normally have very polluted skies, it was very blue for quite some time and, you know, we're becoming hyper aware of these things and, um, you know, I think every time I hear about a new hotel being developed in Bali, I, I get equally excited, but my heart sinks at the same time. And I wonder mm. how many new hotels can possibly built, be built in a place like that before it stops being Bali, for example. Um, you know, if, if the natural environment will just cease to exist after a while. And I wanted to, you know, find out what your thoughts were on that, about redeveloping existing sites and assets as opposed to just building and building. And building. Yeah, I must say, uh, development of hotels have become a little bit out of control in the last 10 years. And especially, uh, people, anybody who had a little bit of money wanted to develop a hotel because a hotel is a very good asset. It gives you cash flow and it gives you a collateral for any loans. It's, it's, it's a very good asset to have. So people like that. But then they dilutes because they they just look at return on investment they ignore environment they ignore traffic consequences they they ignore the, the mess that, because nobody has but a hotel is not just a place where you stay you have all the providers you have the the delivery the, you have the laundry the laundry takes a lot of water uh, you have soap discharge toilet discharge sewer issues and so, so there are consequences that when you're a guest, you don't really realize. Mm. Okay, so it is true that uh, all these developed uh, properties in Bali or Phuket, etc., have put a major strain on uh, uh, natural surface water drainage. For example, you have the cut, cut and fill hills and sceneries that so it. Destabilized forest habitat, it destabilized the lives, the birds' life, destabilized animal life. Um, I mean, it it really has consequences. So, I am totally uh, in favor of developing a hotel because I don't believe that developing hotel is necessarily negative. A developing hotel can also be positive if it's properly done. So, my answer to your question is: if a hotel or a facility is done in a very sensitive environmental manner uh, within rules and regulations, within the, the proper mechanical, electrical, electrical treatment, environmental considerations, etc., etc. I don't think a hotel is negative. But the problem, most of them are basically uh, developed at random, developed uh, uh, in a in a chaotic manner, and that's what is destructive. So the destruction is not due to the quantity, but due, in my opinion, to the fact that many hotels are built properly with regards to uh, environment matters. That's one thing. Second thing, obviously, a lot of hotels uh, they become old. They can be renovated, and it's it's easier for a developer because he gets uh, he can get loans easier on an existing property 
because that property has already a return on investment, so it's easy to get loans. Uh, you can you can uh, redevelop progressively, you can uh, upgrade progressively, etc., etc. So the fact to take an old existing property has a lot of advantages also. Also, because you have what you call grandfathered facilities, it's, it doesn't require years and years of negotiation with the authority to get permits, etc. It's grandfathered. So it has commercially an it has a commercial advantage to take over your property and redevelop it but new development in my opinion if they are properly put together don't put so much strains on environment not so much you know they uh, there are so many laws and regulations today but obviously you also have a larger numbers of people you now have 7.7 .7 billion people on earth okay when when we were young uh, there was only six billion okay i mean i don't know how old you are but when i was young yeah. maybe maybe there was five billion people so obviously we have more people traveling uh, airlines have developed uh, mm. um, uh, people Go to is easier that the average uh, income of people around the world has increased so people have more money to spend more money to go to hotels so obviously you need facilities for this mm. yeah that's that's an interesting observation i also um I wanted to go back to COVID, although I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick of talking about it. But I'm, I'm interested yeah. to hear, you know, what kind of conversations you're having with existing clients about projects that you have on the drawing board at the moment and whether they're asking for changes to be made to the design um, or whether you think, you know, obviously you're working in, in the upper, upper echelons of, of the hospitality industry. Do you think that that will be largely unaffected or are there design changes that you foresee that will happen? in response to this? There are design changes, but they are not fundamental. You remember, I, I don't know if it's with you that I discussed that, but I have already raised this issue. Okay, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 9-11, I can't remember the, the year, okay, maybe 15 years ago, whatever, mm. okay, uh, you could enter in and out of hotels without being questioned, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Now, now you go through security systems in the hotels, you go through security system at the airport, etc., etc. But you got used to live with it. Okay. Now, we are also in this almost uh, in parallel, we had this development of environmental consideration. So again, we have come up. We have got used to it, uh, the, the, how we have to recycle water, how you have to, to uh, create uh, an energy-based uh, technologies, etc., etc., etc. This has become part of our daily language or daily uh, surroundings as a professional. Now, it's going to be the same with health. Okay, uh, all these elements, so one was security, then the other one is environment, the third one is going to be health. Okay, I think that any crisis, uh, even in our personal life, any crisis teaches a lot of lessons. Okay, and we are going to be probably more uh, respectful of our neighbor. We're not going to talk to each other so close. We're not necessarily going to be so promiscuous. Uh, restaurants are going to be probably more spacey. Uh, buffet is probably going to disappear. Lift are going to be maybe smaller lift, but faster lift and more numerous. 
so you're going to, I mean, not you, uh, the, the market is progressively, the, the industrials, the industrialists, etc., are going to develop new product, which are going to be more resilient to virus, uh, blah, 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 easier to clean, easier to sanitize, auto-sanitizing. We're going to use more and more sensor-based uh, controls. Instead of pushing on your TV control, you can have a sensor-based control. You can have a, a, a three... Uh, 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 three-dimension uh, television, uh, how do you call this, uh, virtual reality televisions, etc. So many, 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 many of these elements are entering into our daily life, and you don't realize it, but you get used to it. And I think that COVID-19 um, consequences are going to be the same. They, all these things are progressively be part of your life. You're, you're never going to question it, uh, uh, but you're going to have it. Like, think about your handphone. Before, you had to go to a, 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 a telephone booth to make a phone call. If you were traveling you're at the airport, you have to call your family, you go to a telephone booth and you, may, you put some coin and you take your telephone. That phone has been handled by five, 500 people before you the same day. Mm. Okay. Nowadays, you don't think that way. You just take your mobile phone, which is only handled by you, and you make a phone call, so you don't even think. So many, many of these things of daily life are progressively uh, going to address the, uh, the, the the virus issue, the risk we have, the the proximity issue, etc. And unconsciously, uh, you're going to have a cleaner life, and they will be integrated in hotels without having to really change the project. I mean. Of course, there'll be changes. As I said to you, probably the, the, the buffet will disappear in restaurants. Mm. Uh, hygiene in kitchen are going to be increased. I was in a hotel a few days ago in Malacca. Uh, there is a, uh, the reception desk now has a screen in front, you know. Well, that's, that's it. But these are little things. But ultimately, as well as for security and environment, I think it improves the quality of the, of the product. So... I, I don't mind it. I'm actually happy. You know, when I go to the airport and I, I have to go through security, I don't get upset at all. Mm. I'm actually happy. Not that I'm excited about going through security, <laughs> but it makes me feel good. Mm. It makes me feel good. If, if I've been checked, the bad guys will have been checked too. Right. It's a so, sense of safety. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, a healthy issue is going to be the same thing. Progressively, mm. all these elements are going to be integrated. Mm. Interesting. Well, my final question for you uh, is that, you know, I know how passionate and dedicated you are to what you do and you're obviously very good at what you do, but I'm wondering what else you might be doing if you weren't uh, designing hotels. Is there any other, um, you know, career path that you might have followed? Yes, I would be an art dealer. Ah. <laughs> I love art. I I have two passion. Whenever I go to a city, whatever city, village, town in the world, I will either go to the art gallery, or visit the museum, okay, or look at, at real estate available for sale. <laughs> That's my passion. My, my wife makes fun of me because she said, you look and you know you're not going to buy over there. So why are you looking? I said, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> and so art dealer. I would be an art dealer. Uh, art. Uh, I love art. I, 
I I dream of art collections. I when I go at someone's place, the first thing I look at the art they have on the walls. And uh, eclectic art is not just like one type of art. I like painting. I like sculptures. I admire musicians. I like uh, I like whatever is art. I love uh, theaters. I love sculpture. But I like even performing arts. Mm. Uh, I I like art. I'm a and art you, passion. And you do buy art. You have a personal collection. I do. Can you yes. tell us what that yeah. might consist of? Do you buy artists oh. from any particular place or is it quite eclectic? Uh, yeah, totally eclectic. Absolutely eclectic because I buy what I like. I don't buy – okay, I'm not rich. Okay, so when you're not rich, you don't buy expensive ones. So just forget, <laughs> the, forget the expensive ones. Okay, but I like art that I like, which means I will buy uh, – I don't know. I'll find one day I was in Haiti, for example. Uh, and, you know, in Haiti, they have this fantastic miniaturist. They, they design extremely, extremely, a little bit naive, uh, a little bit of a, a naive sort of painting. And But it's extremely, extremely detailed. You know, you see a strawberry. On the strawberry, we see the little dot of the seeds. Okay, it's amazing. And I I just look at this painting for half an hour, and I would buy that. And then I would like, uh, I go to South America. I love painting, for example, in Peru. Okay, I like some Peruvian painters. And then I, I... I don't know to explain to you. Uh, I'm I love uh, Manolo Valdez, for example. Okay, okay? he's the uh, a, a Spanish guy who lives in New York. Uh, but also, uh, I met with Jeff Koons. Okay, and uh, I like uh, Anush Kapoor. I don't buy it, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I like. Uh, uh, Cabalut, Linda Cabalut, who is a famous Spanish painter. I love what she does. Um, I, and then I will. I will love, uh, uh, I will listen to singers. I will think that a singer, a photographer, uh, 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 I admire, I admire artists, whoever they are, whatever they are, I admire artists and I admire athletes. When, uh, (laughs) I'll never forget that in my life, when I watch track and field on television. I was a track and field runner myself when I was young, oh. eight, 800 and 1500. And um, when I look at the Olympic or a famous Diamonds League, whatever, famous, when, when the guy goes on the podium at the end, I always have tears in my <laughs> eyes. And one day I was looking at the Olympics, actually. It was in, a, in, in Beijing at that time, I remember. And my, my son was eight, so it was not Beijing. It was London. It was in 2012. Yeah, he was eight. And uh, I was looking at that. I was totally captivated by the TV. My son walked by and he sees me with tears <laughs> in my eyes. He said, Papa, you are an emotional wreck. <laughs> he was eight years old. I said, where the hell did you learn that word? Yeah. <laughs> but, so I am like this in front of athletes and art. Wow. Uh, yeah, strange. Very strange. Very sensitive, but... Well, I guess it's a form of performance, though, really, isn't it? Well, architecture is the same. Yeah. Design is the same. That's why I always qualify myself as a designer. Because whether you design a, a, a dress, a, 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 a building, an interior, 
a landscape, a, an object, it doesn't matter. The emotional and intellectual process is the same. Mm. Whether you use bricks, tiles, wood and steel, or fabric, cushion and carpet, or trees and, and, and road and pavement, it's the same thing. A photographer will look at an angle. We look at the light, we look at the depths of field, we look at the, the layers of his pictures. It's the same as the architect, the same as the interior designer, the same as the landscape architect, the same as the fashion designer. Dolce Cabana is the same thing. Armani is the same. They, at, at all these perception, texture, materials, and I am sensitive to all that. Mm. I like that. That's why I'm creative. Mm. Clearly. And, and not an administrative. <laughs> You're one of those stereotypes. Well, I think we're all very glad to have you in the world. Thank you so much for sharing all <laughs> of that you. with us, Jean-Michel. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. <laughs> and thanks for making time with us for another yeah. phone call. I'm, I'm sure My you're pleasure. probably talked out by now. but um, no, is... no, no. I know I talk funny, but no. it's okay. That's also me. <laughs> That's not at me. all. That's the way I am. <laughs> Well, thank you again, and I do hope we get a chance to, to chat in real life somewhere in the near future. Fantastic. Yeah. Stay safe. Yeah. Thank you very much, you too. Thank you. Take care, Susie.